Hey everyone, welcome to the Curious Girl Diaries podcast. I'm Layla London, aka The Curious Girl. Now just to let you know, this podcast is not suitable for work. It's also not suitable for anybody under 18. But the rest of you consenting adults, let's get ready to talk about my sex life, sex in general, and everything in between in explicit, raunchy, fun detail. All right, here we go. I didn't know the sponge trick. Neither did I. Oh my God, I'm gonna, swear to God, I'm gonna use that. Like, it works really well, you just need lube. Are you pegging her or just going down on her? Like, what? Usually, I've actually found that the solo females that I've had have really been into pleasuring me. I have fisted a guy. It's, it's a lot of work. Literally, I had like a glove to the elbow, thank <laughs> God, but it came out shitty. terribly shitty. Hi guys, welcome to the Curious Girl Diaries. Back for another episode. I am Layla, your hostess. I'm so glad you're here. I cannot wait to get into today's episode. I'm so excited. I have a wonderful guest on today. I cannot wait to introduce you. But first, let me just clear up a few housekeeping issues. Number one, guess what? I'm on Instagram. Yay, finally. Hello. I decided to... uh <laughs> come up to the modern day here and get on all the platforms everybody else is on. So I'm a Instagram newbie. Be patient with me. I'm getting posts up and things like that, but I would love it and so appreciate it if you would follow me. My handle there is at the underscore Curious Girl Diaries. So go ahead and follow me, like me, do whatever it is you do on Instagram. I will love you, love you, love you for it. Second thing is, I want to remind you that this month's iPad giveaway comes with an extra bonus. Yes, it does. You're going to win an iPad as well as a 30-minute phone call with yours truly. And we can talk about whatever you want. That can be a video call. That can be just a regular phone call. It's totally up to you. And whatever topics you pick. So here's how you can enter to win that. What you have to do is go to iTunes and it's only iTunes, guys, and leave me a review. And once you leave a review, just snap a picture of it and then email that to curiousgirl at thecuriousgirldiaries.com. And I will select the winner at the end of the month for who I thought left the best review. So you make it a good one, guys, because there's an iPad and a phone call with me on the line. Okay, now let's get into today's interview. I have our lovely Aubrey, very well-spoken, extremely smart, a pleasure to talk to. We go through A to Z on whether you want to call them sex workers, prostitutes, whores, we're going through all of it. We went so long and our conversation was so fun that it lasted over two hours. So I'm cutting it in two. This is a two-parter. So without further ado, let's jump into part one. Okay, guys. So without further ado, I have Aubrey on the show. Aubrey, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you so much for agreeing to do this. I'm super excited. I've been kind of telling my my group that you're coming, you're coming. So they have a little bit of an idea on your background. But for those that don't, you are a prostitute? Yeah. Okay. Before I threw that word out there, but the, my first question is, 
how do you feel about the word prostitute? And do you prefer sex worker or do you really care one way or the other? Any terms you like or don't like? Describing myself, I'm happy to call myself a whore. Referring to other sex workers, I tend to use sex worker. It's just the best term to promote destigmatization of the industry. Okay. But I enjoy the term whore. Okay. <laughs> what, what do you like about that term? Um, I like, I just like reclaiming it. It's a really powerful word mm-hmm. and it's one that's been used. It's been used against women so much and it's uh, taken on such a negative connotation. But I mean, it's it's a word with nice punch and I kind of enjoy the shock value of it too. And I enjoy the fact that I take full ownership of it and I'm proud to be a horse. So. I love that. Okay. So then for the sake of this interview, I will refer to you as a sex worker, if that's all right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't feel as uh, righteous about calling you a whore yet. I don't know. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Maybe once I know you better, I'll be like, oh, that whore. Such a whore. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, okay, how did you get started in sex work? I'd love to hear your backstory and kind of the evolution of this for you. Um, okay, so many, many years ago, about 15 years ago, is was my first foray into the industry. And that was while I was a university student and I was a, a young single mom. I was 21 years old. And so I was looking for work that I could make decent money in a shorter amount of time to be able to focus on parenting and and studying. Yeah. So I had seen, <laughs> now this really dates it, but yeah. like print newspaper ads for <laughs> yeah, like a school, and they had a hiring thing in the ads. So I gave them a call and I, I had no idea what it was going to entail. My understanding of escorting came like most people's from media and yeah. Obviously, the representation wasn't really very accurate. (laughs) Yeah. So I was completely unsure of what I was getting into, but I was kind of excited by the idea of it too. Before that, I've always been very sex positive and I've always, I was promiscuous before I got into it. So it's like, I might as well be getting paid and Uh having fun. So I answered that ad and I met up with the woman who ran the brothel and um, it was a, an illegal brothel. And uh, I'm sorry, did you, say, did you say legal or illegal? Illegal. Okay. Yeah. And then from there, I actually was introduced to stripping from another escort there. Mm-hmm. And so I was, I was doing both. I was stripping and escorting. And then I did that for about a year, a year and a half. And then I left the industry and I didn't return to it until I was back in school later um, in my late 20s. Mm-hmm. I returned to the same brothel. <laughs> yes. And I was working there for a while. And then I went independent and I've been independent now for seven years. Okay. And it's, it's my full-time career. It's all I do. Okay. So it sounds like, okay, so I think my next question, you may... It's got a little, you half answered part of it, but I'll ask the first part because you didn't answer that just previously. But what's your opinion on pimps? And do you have one or use an agency and have you, or or have either of those? Obviously, you just kind of answered that. Um, I'm very, very, very strongly against it. Why? Because it, 
it's a real conflict of interest when somebody stands to make money off of you saying yes, Mm -hmm. when you would rather say no. So to have somebody that has that power over you, it's a real conflict of interest. And it leads to a lot of endangerment and abuses. I don't think that anybody should be making money off of somebody else selling sexual services. I'm all for collectives. So if groups of sex workers want to work together for safety reasons, I think that's great. Mm -hmm. I just don't think that anybody should be trafficking anybody else willingly or not. It's, I personally think it's not a good idea. Yeah. And I think there's a a long history of abuses with Good news. Strictly Anonymous podcast is looking for people to call into the show. So if you lead an interesting, naughty secret life that you want to talk about while remaining anonymous or not anonymous, if you're out and proud, that's cool too. Send me an email, strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com. That's strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com. Or go to my website, strictlyanonymouspodcast.com and click on be on the show. I hope you're enjoying this episode. I'm so sad it has to end. Are you craving more content with me? Don't worry, I've got you covered. Go even deeper with me on my private podcast. You get four additional episodes a month published every Friday, revealing outtakes from my super private personal audio journal, things said after the show but when I'm still recording, the inside scoop on who's been naughty and who's been naughtier, bombshells I've kept to myself this whole entire time, things I can only talk about with a more intimate group of listeners, and additional surprise bonus content so hot it makes even me blush. So when you finish this episode and you're still craving more, please allow me to satiate you. Just head over to thecuriousgirldiaries.com and click on exclusive or click on the link in the show notes. All right, on with the show. It's also just, it should be completely unnecessary with the advent of online advertising and things like that. It's, um, you don't need to have somebody to find clients for you. Yeah. I mean, I kind of agree with you. You know, when I look at stuff, I just, my background's in business. So I look at everything from a business standpoint and I look at that model and the pimping model and I can see where, you know, it's like you're a broker, but you're a broker that gets most of the money while someone else is doing the work. And Mm -hmm. I hate brokers personally. Like, why would I let somebody broker my talents, (laughs) you know, in any capacity, really? So I always wonder why women are drawn to that. Do you believe that it's a self-confidence issue or I just wonder why? You kind of have to get into the topic of decriminalization in order to address that. But when you have people who are forced to work in more unsafe situations, or on the street, right? sometimes it's a protection issue. Okay. Yeah. So that's why they might be drawn to it. Mm -hmm. A lot of times people are pimped by their partners. So they become partners with somebody, maybe they have drug addictions, Uh and then their partner is forcing them to sell sex in order to pay to fund the drug addictions of the couple. That's a common scenario. Okay. You mean, so their romantic partner. Right. Yeah. Okay. And oftentimes that comes with an abusive dynamic as well. Mm -hmm. And what was it like? Take me back to like the first time that you sold sex for money. What was that like? Mm -hmm. Um, Oh gosh. (laughs) Is there a funny story there? (laughs) 
Well, yeah, terribly embarrassing story, really. When I showed up for my first shift, I actually arrived there. I had literally, I had no idea what was going to be happening. Okay. I was so young and ignorant and naive, and I didn't want to admit my own naivety or ignorance. Mm -hmm. I had this like false bravado, like I'm just going to pretend I know what I'm doing. Yeah. You know? Which was stupid. stupid. But I actually, I showed up for my first shift and I wasn't sure either if it was going to be like, I was going to be going out on dates with these guys or what, but I showed up and was doing a tour. So it was basically, it was an apartment in an apartment building, just a regular apartment building. And it had like, it was like a three bedroom apartment. It was the decor of the entire place was like an old lady's apartment with all the like kitschy knickknacks and like, <laughs> like going to like a grandma's apartment. Right. Was there like plastic on the sofa? <laughs> <laughs> runners on the plastic runners on the carpets. <laughs> so she gave me a brief little tour of the apartment and she basically just said, so, so she had a setup where, you know, you would put down a sheet and a towel on the bed for the client. Okay. Get the money. You would bring it out. A portion went to her. You kept the rest. And then you would go back to your client. And she basically just said, and then you can give them a little massage and then do whatever. And I was like, yeah, okay. Okay. I went to the washroom and discovered that I had gotten my period. <gasps> and... <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> Fuck. And some guys like that so I told her I was like I just have to run to the store and get some tampons and at this point because she had just said you'll give them a massage and whatever I yeah. wasn't even sure like what was really expected of me in the right. room so I was like I can still do this and I literally ran to the store I grabbed some tampons and she mentioned to me she was like, oh, we do have sponges under the sink in the bathroom that the girls use when they have their periods. And I was like, no, I'm okay with my tan, but like, I had no idea what that was about. Is that like a sponge um, with a spermicide in it? No, like a makeup sponge, which is like an escorting trick. Um, I've never heard of this. <laughs> yeah. So you use those and they're basically undetectable by the guy and you can have penetrative sex without worrying about any living anywhere to be really graphic. I talk about period sex on this podcast, so don't worry. (laughs) I didn't know the sponge trick. (laughs) Neither did I. Oh my God. I'm going to swear to God, I'm going to use that. Like it works really well. You just need lube. Yeah. Even still, you can still naturally lubricate because when you get wet with arousal, it's not coming through your cervix. It's basically like the walls of your vagina are firing, right? So, so it doesn't actually block that, and you can still get wet and everything. You just have to make sure that whatever goes up comes back out after you don't forget about it because I I have lost a couple butt plugs, believe it or not. So I was just like, you know, I'm just gonna grab my tampons. So I grabbed tampons, and the first client that she had set me up with was a regular of her agency. And unbeknownst to me, like this was the guy that she used with all the new girls to get a feel for how they were. And okay, whatever. He's the test is going to be reporting back to her, like how it went, basically. Yeah. But I didn't know that. He was very friendly. It was an older gentleman. He was very nice, very friendly. And 
I started with a nice massage and then we started to kiss and touch. And I just told him like, just so you know, I have my period, so I can't have sex. And he was like, okay, well, would you be into anal? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. (laughs) Sure. That seems like a good word. I didn't realize that normally anal is a, it's an upsell, it's an extra and that's a premium price, right? For anybody. But yeah, so we had anal, it was fine. Yeah. And then, so the, I had one other client that day and I basically just went in and was like, so you want to do anal today? (laughs) This is what we're doing. Yeah, right. How you want anal? (laughs) Today's menu is anal. (laughs) Yeah. So that was my first day. And then I just took off the rest of my period and then returned the following week and went about it normally and eventually got into the swing of things. And I really, I really liked the excitement of it. I get really bored with tedium or repetitive tasks or things like that. So just meeting different people the validation of feeling desired was mm-hmm. a natural high for me. I really enjoyed that. And I got pretty good at what I do. And I, I enjoyed that. But what I didn't like there was working with the other girls. There is a sense of camaraderie somewhat. But as you can imagine, there's also a sense of competition. And I had a lot of drama with some of the girls because I was the youngest. I was pretty attractive <laughs> and well, you still are not well thank you <laughs> so I was doing really good business and there were days where the other girls weren't getting as many appointments as me yeah. and there a lot of the time so at that point in time this was before cell phones were really commonplace so all of the bookings were coming through the agency yeah and so when somebody would call in if they didn't know who they wanted to book with they'd be given a brief description of each girl that they could choose from or they had the option to come in and meet whoever was working and decide who they wanted to see Mm -hmm. so in that case they would be put in the room and then we would each go in one-on-one and introduce ourselves yeah i often was the one that was chosen in those scenarios so that kind of bred some resentment Mm -hmm. to really kind of uncomfortable situations with some of the girls. I hated giving up some of the money. I hated not setting my own rates. And I hated that a lot of the clientele were just really pushy. And yeah, I just, I wasn't a huge fan. And then when I left and after I had returned and then when I left the brothel and went independent, it was very nerve wracking at first. I had to build up my own clientele Mm -hmm. and learn to do all of the stuff that was taken care of by the brothel owner. Yeah. Um, Can I ask you what your split was with the brothel owner at the time? Yeah. So I don't even know what the percentage was, but it was whether it was a half hour or hour appointment, she got 40 bucks for each one. Okay. So it it wasn't like they were getting the majority but yeah, and the, the rates were lower than I would have liked. And when I went independent, I set my rate a bit higher. And then once I built up a really devoted clientele, I ended up, I raised my rates. And um, yeah. What do you feel is the biggest misconception surrounding sex work? The biggest one, I think, is the idea that nobody does it by choice. Oh, 
I would, okay. And that's interesting. I never would have thought of that. I kind of assume, I just assume most women did. I hear all the time from people, especially Twitter followers. I get messages all the time from people who say that I've completely changed their opinion of the industry because they literally didn't realize that anybody was doing it other than like in a survivalist way, whether that's drug addiction or inability to do any other work, just that nobody could enjoy it. Basically, a lot of people don't see it as something that somebody could do enjoyably. And I understand that because not everybody is built for meaningless sex. Yeah. (laughs) You know, not everybody is built for that. And (laughs) especially in our society, it's kind of like (laughs) for women to be able to have sex without those feelings. Right. So, yes, that's, that's a huge misconception. And then the other big one is, about our clientele. Everybody thinks it's like these really seedy, gross, can't get sex kind of people. And that's really not the case, like at all. I mean, I have clients from all different walks of life. I have lawyers, I have, you know, I I even saw an NHL player. (laughs) I've seen, you know, blue collar workers and white collar workers and teachers and all of the normal people in society, yeah, they're the ones that are seeing sex workers, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's funny when you say that you're okay with the, you know, meaningless sex. I am too. That's how. That's really what my. It's not all about meaningless sex. Sometimes it has meaning, you know, over the years, and I'm okay with that. Every sex act doesn't have to be this, you know, the skies part and the seas are opening. Sometimes, for me anyway, you know, I'm just. If I like somebody and I'm doing it and it feels good, that's all it needs to be in the moment. It doesn't need to be one single thing outside of that room in that moment in time. That's it. And people have a hard time with that. And they, over the years, gotten, you know, been called all kinds of stuff too, you know, whore, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just thinking, geez, you got me thinking, I'm like, I've been doing this for free. <laughs> <laughs> It's not just the sex either. I I perform a lot of emotional labor. And I I think that women in general... Which is draining. Very draining. That's the draining part. And I think that in general, women perform a lot of unpaid emotional labor for the men in their lives because the men aren't necessarily turning to their male friends. They're turning to their female friends when they're looking for that emotional labor or they're depending on their romantic partner to provide all of that for them. I just think that the way that our society is currently set up, I think that is changing. But as it's currently set up, there's a lot of unpaid, thankless emotional labor being performed by women. So personally, I love, I find it very fulfilling when I know that I've been there for my clients, um, meeting their emotional needs as well as their physical needs. But I really like that I'm being compensated in a transactional manner for that. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, I don't even know why we'll get into this. I have this, there's more questions about the legalities and stuff like that later, but Mm -hmm. I just don't understand why it's not legal. To me, it's ridiculous. It doesn't make any sense. And well, and I do want to get into that, but I would just interject and just 
say that what sex workers want in a general sense is we're not looking for legalization because that comes with its own issues. We're looking for full decriminalization. Mm-hmm. And there's a difference. And I can I can elaborate on that. OK, let's hold. Yes, I would love to elaborate on this. I we will get we are getting to that. Yes, absolutely. Because I love that. There, I love that you pointed out there's a difference between legalization and decriminalization. OK, so do your friends and family know what you do and how do they feel about it? And if your parents know, what was it like when you told your parents? I don't have a relationship with my parents Mm -hmm. and I haven't had a relationship with my parents in many, many years. I had really shitty parents. (laughs) So that was a Mm non-issue and is a non-issue. They're just not a part of my life. All of the people who are important in my life, my children, their father, my boyfriend and my close friends, they are all aware of yeah. what I do. So it's well received, actually, even yeah. with my children. But I've raised my children in a really sex positive manner. And throughout their childhoods, they're older now, they're turning 12 and 16 mm-hmm. in the next couple months. But I've always been open with them. So whenever the subject of sex work came up, and really, like every sitcom has jokes about prostitutes, has scenes at strip clubs, like it's on Friends, it's on right. like, the most yeah. generic, like, the most PG shows are going to reference it. Yeah, right. So I always took those opportunities to talk to them about sex work as a general thing. Mm-hmm. So they already had a good mindset towards it before I told them that I personally do it. Yeah. Okay. So take us through a standard transaction with a new client. You know, what's your intake procedure like and how do you qualify these guys? So I can't talk too much about some of it just for my own security reasons, but I will say, so I have an online advertisement that I post. So they'll contact me usually via text, sometimes via email. I do not answer phone calls. I will not talk to anybody on the phone. Majority of the time when they want to talk on the phone, it's just jerk off material. They just want you to get, you know, and they waste my time. And I just, I have such a volume of communication to deal with. So, and I like the written communication. I Mm -hmm. feel like I can get a lot out of that. My biggest screening, it comes from just communication style. You start to see as you're in this business for a while, you really start to recognize patterns you can really categorize people really quickly Mm -hmm. just from their communication styles. So that's my hugest first level of screening. Any sense of disrespect, any attempt to haggle my rates, any attempt to question or push my restrictions and boundaries is an instant no. Then from there, we discuss the services that I do offer. My service is really vanilla. I don't do really any extras. I I offer more of what's called the girlfriend experience as okay. opposed to like a porn star experience, which it's pretty self-explanatory, but it's just more of a an intimate service, more likely to be kissing, cuddling, talking. So kissing is okay? Kissing kissing uh, prior to COVID, yeah. Okay. <laughs> And my service, yeah, like I said, it's very vanilla. I don't even do anal or anything like that anymore. I just prefer not to. And so we discuss my rates, my services. And then from there, if they're interested in booking, then I get their information. And then I'll schedule an appointment. I don't do a deposit. I don't ask for a deposit. 
There's a lot of scamming that happens of clients. It's not a scam for people to ask for a deposit. I should clarify that. Okay. Asking for a deposit is a very common thing. It's avoiding having your time wasted by somebody booking you and not showing up. It's very valid. I just personally prefer to do a confirmation process. So I won't give out the address and everything until closer to the appointment time. I'll have a time they have to confirm by. Okay. And when they confirm, then I'll provide the information because if they're going to stand me up, they're less likely to confirm right near the appointment sure. time. And so then that just from that. cash only or credit cards? I mean, how do you accept cash payment? only? Yeah. Cash only. Yeah. When they arrive, I, I skip over some of my own securities. Yeah. No, don't, I don't want you to, you don't have to give up anything. Just, you can be generic. They arrive, when they arrive, I have that. I take the money right away. Yeah. <laughs> That's always first. Yeah. Get that out of the way. And then I'll have them go and wash up. And um, when you say wash up, do you mean like wash your penis? Generally, I expect them to arrive freshly showered. If they aren't freshly showered, then they can shower. But I always have them wash hands. Okay. Um, they can use mouthwash, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Mostly, like washing hands is no matter what. That's it. Like they have to do that when they arrive. Like your fingers are going near my vagina. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, you don't need any bladder infections. <laughs> the vaginal health is pretty important. To That's me. right. <laughs> I hate getting water infections. Like, you know. But generally, hygiene is not an issue. Like, they they want to be fresh for me as much as I want to be fresh for them. So, and then it's always fresh bedding laid out for each client. And if it's an hour appointment, then I'll offer a massage to start. Some of them take me up on that. Some of them don't want to do that. Some of them want to chat a bit or cuddle a bit. Some of them want to get straight to business. Mm-hmm. You can kind of read people. I've gotten pretty good at reading people and sure. I just go with that, with what they want. Their time is theirs to stay. So if they finish, if they come yeah. in five minutes or 10 minutes, that doesn't mean they have to leave right away. Yeah. And sometimes I'd be willing to go a second round depending on how quickly or easily they can right. first time yeah. and how will they feel to go a second round. Yeah. A lot of them, some of them want to leave right away after and some of them want to chat. Their time is theirs, but they don't get extra time. Nobody gets extra time. Yeah. Okay. Unless they pay for it, right? Yeah. But even still, it's not, nobody's usually expect, extending time Okay. the appointment. And I often have other appointments. Right. And buffer time in between where I have my own routine. I have to sure. go through to yeah, right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. You have a schedule. So um, prior to COVID, like I would consider myself higher volume. So I'm making several appointments per week. I do take a lot of days off. I only work when I feel like working. And if I don't really feel up to it, then I don't force myself. Yeah. When I am working, I try to book as many as I can in my batching. Day. I call that batching. Yeah, you got to maximize it. So <laughs> I do try and do that. I've slowed down a lot because of COVID. I, I did take a six month hiatus during the first wave. And then now I'm just doing lower volume for the time being and also spacing out the appointments a little bit more because I have a little bit extra sanitizing to do. Right. I'm trying to be really mindful of 
you know, disinfecting all the doorknobs and things like yeah, that. Just to sure. yes. protect myself and them. Yeah. I have low lighting. I usually have at least one candle lit. Mm-hmm. I'll have music playing like low. Yeah. Something something like Lana Del Rey or things like that, where it's a little more unobtrusive and sensual and kind yeah. of massive feeling. <laughs> yeah. Distracting. Uh-huh. Yeah. Do you see both men and women or just men? It's mostly men. I've seen a few solo w- women, but that's very, very rare. And I've seen couples, more couples than I have solo females. Mm-hmm. But 98% of the time, I'm just seeing a dude. Yeah. And do you charge more for couples? Yeah, I charge double for couples. Ooh, well, that makes sense. And then what about for like a single female? Does she have the same single male rate or is it different? Single male rate. Yeah. Would you, so with a woman, I guess you're doing different things. I assume. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> like, are you pegging her or just going down on her? <laughs> like what? Usually, I've actually found that the solo females that I've had have really been into pleasuring me. So I am pleasuring them as well. Usually that's oral sex, things like that. But I haven't had any women that wanted to use strap-ons actually with me. I've had guys that want to. (laughs) They want you to use it on them or they want to, they want to. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I have fisted a guy. It's, it's a lot of work. Yeah. It's not something I offer now. And <laughs> my experience with it was really terrible. Was it? What happened? I got to hear. Literally, I had like a glove to the elbow, thank <laughs> God. But it came out shitty. terribly shitty. And yeah. <laughs> Relive. There's a lot of guys just don't seem to know about proper. Uh, they're supposed to douche. They're supposed to clean it out first, guys. Yeah. If you're gonna be, yeah. if you're gonna have somebody's fist up your ass, you can Google this online. Like, gay men will tell you this. If you have a gay guy friend, like, ask him. Like, they know what to do. You just you have to clean that out, and it's a lot of prep. But and that's why, like, and I I just don't offer any any anal services with guys anymore Mm -hmm. I just don't I just don't want to deal with it yeah and it's not I don't have anything against it but I just just don't trust all of them to prepare properly it's a lot of extra effort and time and energy and I just so I I stick to my vanilla experience yeah your kids are older you're done dealing with poop you know (laughs) (laughs) okay (laughs) you have done that (laughs) you're like I'm over it no more food. <laughs> okay. Uh, what kind of, I know you said you're vanilla, but I had this on my list. So I'll see if there's anything that applies. So what kind of kinks or fetishes will you entertain and what won't you do? Basically the only thing that I'll offer now is role play. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anything else. I just refer them on. So when role playing, meaning give me some examples. I get a lot of dudes that want to want me to call them daddy. I get a lot of like the stepmom shit. The taboo. What, what is it with that? Taboo role play. And then there's the more generic role play, you know, like teacher and that yeah. kind of thing. Well, that's fun. I mean, changes things up a little bit. <laughs> yeah. what are, so uh, this is, if you don't want to disclose this, I understand, but what are your standard rates and do all clients come to you or do you travel? 
I do not do any traveling and I don't, I don't do any out calls at all. So all of them are coming to see me and my rates are just above average for my sort of tier in my area. It's a lot lower in Canada than it is in the US just because of the legality. So my charge is $250 per hour. Mm -hmm. And does that include just anything that you want to do for that hour? Or is it part of my within my service offering, which like I said, is very basic. Yeah. Okay. So like you can have a blowjob, you can have straight vaginal sex, back rub, you can throw all those things in there for two, for an hour and for 250. Mm-hmm. Okay. Have you ever had an emotional connection with a client and, or they've had one with you? And if so, how did you handle it? I made him my boyfriend. Oh, no kidding. That's how, oh, See, I don't have to ask you. I know you mentioned you had a boyfriend. I don't have to ask you how you met. No kidding. <laughs> was that the first time? Was that the first time? Yeah. And I want to be abundantly clear yeah. that I don't want to give hope to any of no. them. Do not fall in love with your sex worker. Do not try yeah. and have a relationship outside of the business with your sex worker. It's not going to happen. Yeah. This was completely, it was just completely different. I knew at the moment that I met him, he only came to see me three times before we start started hanging out outside of my work. And the second I met him, right after he left from his appointment, I went on to my Twitter, which was my old account, but I went on to my Twitter and I tweeted, I'm not usually into younger guys, but I could have fallen in love with my last client. What is it about the younger guys? I don't know. I'm not usually into younger guys. Me neither. And all of a sudden, they're just like, the last guy I was in love with was a lot younger. And I was just like, and I thought, oh, I don't mind seeing this. I'll fuck this guy. Well, you know, he was like a friend's with benefits. Like, oh, he's very fun. We, we had a lot of sexual chemistry. And it was just like, he was the last person I was worried about. I'm like, oh, I am safe with you because there is no way I'm going to be interested in a yeah, younger I felt an immediate connection with, with him. Like immediate. Really? Like our, oh. our sexual chemistry was off the charts from the get-go. Yeah. Was immediately different than I had experienced ever. But also just the emotional connection and the intellectual connection. Uh-huh. I really enjoyed talking to him. I really hoped that he would book again. And uh-huh. he did. He did, yeah. Um, and then he disappeared for a while because Ooh. he started somebody and he has a lot of integrity. So he wasn't contacting me at all while he was seeing this person. And then it didn't work out between them. So he got in contact again and booked an appointment. And then we both, we talked about horror movies, which is something that nobody in my life wants to watch with me. <laughs> I was such alone. Yeah. And so then we got together and watched a movie and we hung out. And I think I said to him the first night, I said, I don't want to see you as a client anymore. Oh. Um, so we decided to be like a friends with benefits. And then I pretty much immediately fell in love. Yeah. <laughs> and what's the age difference, if I may ask? He's 29 to my 36. Okay. Oh, that's not, that's not too bad. Yeah. Yeah. He's very emotionally intelligent mm-hmm. and mature and I don't really feel the age difference. Yeah. Yeah. And how long have you guys been together? A couple of months now. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's exciting. Okay. So um now I'm like, okay, where was I? <laughs> I got got going down the love train. I love that. I I'm like I mean warm now. <laughs> I know. Uh, I know. Aw, you're blushing. Um 
I know. I, it's interesting. I ha- I can do the, like, I'm very good at just the non-emotional sex. You know, I can really just enjoy sex for what it is with somebody in the moment and have that be that. But I also have, you know, I mean, I love being in love and I love all that stuff too. It's not looking for it. I was single for the past six years and I was happily single. Yeah. I wasn't dating. I wasn't interested in dating. Mm-hmm. I had zero interest. And in fact, I tweeted about it all the time. I talked to my friends about it all the time. It's like, I honestly think that I'm going to be single for life and quite happily so. Yeah. Like, I just couldn't imagine sharing space with somebody, sharing my time with somebody. Mm-hmm. And I was getting so many of those needs met through my work. Yeah. And I was like, I just don't have a need for it in my life. And then I met him and all of a sudden everything changed. <laughs> I know that's that's what the right person does. That's really what the yeah. yeah, what the right person does. Okay, so what's your longest running relationship with a client? I guess seven years. Oh wow. I have more than one. I have a few clients that I've been seeing the entire time that I've been working independently. And actually, I do have some clients that I used to see at the brothel that then rediscovered me when I started posting independently and they come and see me. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that must, I mean, obviously you must have a friendship too. Uh, Not outside of. I mean, yeah, no, I just mean that on some, no, I don't mean outside of when they come sure, in. Yeah, I, ha- I have a connection with there's a, them. There's more of a rapport, I would assume. Sure. Okay. Yeah. And I, I care about them, but <laughs> not to the extent that I would see them off the clock. Oh, yeah, I get it. No, I totally get that. I don't think about them outside <laughs> of the apartment. That yeah. They, yeah. And they can disappear and I'm okay with that. Like, Yeah. What are some of the craziest things that that have ever happened to you in your profession. Give me some stories. I love stories. (laughs) At the brothel, I had a balloon fetish client that was um, was interesting. So he used to... um, Like you to pop this thing? Well, so there's... Now I understand that there's different levels of balloon fetishes or different types. What his thing was is... I would be riding him and I would be blowing up the balloon. And then when he was ready to come, he would let me know and I was to release it. So it would like go flying around the room doing the uh-huh. room type. Okay. Well, he just, yeah. Um, and that was his. <laughs> that was the thing. Okay. Yeah. So speaking with, <laughs> that's not too bad. <laughs> So speaking of, yeah, he was very harmless, and he was a lovely gentleman. He yeah. always tipped well. And he yeah. would bring me gifts and stuff. He was very nice. And so <laughs> clients do tip you. They pay their hourly. Yeah. Okay, they pay their hourly rate and they tip you. And then speaking of the when they come, are they allowed to? You know, I assume they're wearing a condom. Are they allowed to take off their condom and come on you on your body, or is any fluid on you not okay? I'm okay with like my tits, for example, mm-hmm. but I don't want it anywhere near my vagina. Yeah. Okay. So just your tits. That's the safe zone. And not, not on my face. Yeah. Yeah. What, I, what is that? I don't like, I hate that facial thing. I don't know why. I'm like, but do you want it in your eyes? Ew. You know? <laughs> oh my God. Have you ever gotten it in the eye? Yes. It stings like a motherfucker. Yeah, like we'll la- you'll have like a what looks like an infected eye for a while, like pink eye. Yeah, and oh, then yeah. 
also like, yeah, I don't want my makeup ruined. I don't want it in my hair. No, I get my lashes put on. I don't want, what am I going to tell my gal when she's brushing them out? Like what is that shit in there? <laughs> Sorry. Could you just scrape that cum out, please? Yeah, before you glue some more on. Ew. <laughs> so do you feel you're more in tune with your body and your clients' bodies than most women are just in general due to what you do? Yeah, definitely. You're good in bed. <laughs> yeah, I'm great in bed. Yeah. I also think that it's the comfort and confidence that you have in your own body doing this work. Like, I think that translates into great sex. Agreed. Yeah. And into being a really good sexual partner. Um, Mm -hmm. I have like zero shame about my body and it's, it's not a perfect body by any means. I'm covered in stretch marks, you know, like it's not, it's not a model body and I'm very comfortable with it. And I think that makes me a really fun sexual partner. I agree. You know, I, when I talk to guys about it, they say the same thing. They're not really looking for perfection. And no woman has a perfect body. Not even the ones that you think have perfect bodies. They've been, you know, photoshopped or it's an angle or it's lighting or all that kind of stuff. And they just, guys, they just love sex. They just, and if you're, if they think you're into it or they know you're into it, you know, you don't have any hangouts, you're not trying to hide your stomach or you won't get naked or, I mean, I, you know, I hear all this weird stuff and it always kind of boggles my mind. I'm like, why don't women just want to go for it? Especially if it's just with their regular partner. I mean, that's who you should be the most comfortable with. That's why you chose. Right. But I think women have a lot of hangups when it comes to sex in general. Yeah. You, yeah. Why do you think that we're both, why do you think that is? Porn, media, societal expectations shaming from shaming of women's sexuality. Yeah. I think there's a lot of mental hurdles that women have to overcome. And I think that's why they say that a woman's sexual peak is like 40 or whatever, <laughs> because that's generally when women start to give less of a fuck. Yeah. Societal expectations. Yes. Judgments, and they can just focus on enjoying themselves. Yeah, totally. Yes, I think you're right on. Yeah, I love it. I think sex work just fast tracks that. <laughs> no, here's an just, just somebody who's sexually liberated or adventurous, right? Yeah. Yeah. So here's an interesting question. Do you know of any sex workers that are, I guess, insecure or have any hangups about their bodies? Sure. Yeah. I mean, like, because there's still women and there's, there, I mean, we're in an industry that there's a lot of comparison, right? Mm-hmm. It's not something I personally do. I think it's really important as a sex worker to understand that there's a market for everybody. There's a client base for everybody. Yeah. And I don't view any other sex worker, even the ones in my area, I don't look at them as competition. If you're going into it and you're not really thick skinned and you or you don't become thick skinned really yeah. quickly, then then it can be like if you're already dealing with insecurities and then you have somebody say something to you that's looking mm. at that insecurity that's yeah hurt or if you're finding that you're not making the money that you want to make or you're going through a bit of a a drier spell um, Mm -hmm. getting clients then that can really start to get into your head I've just been doing this long enough and like I said I started when I was 21 and and now I'm 36 and (laughs) I have 
like, obviously I've aged, my body has changed. And if anything, I'm, my business is more booming now than it was when I was younger and hotter. And it's the service that I'm offering. It's my own confidence in myself. It's um, also my assertiveness and it's my really firm ability to say no and tell people to fuck off and to stop chasing things and trying to be pleasing to everybody. I just simply accept that I'm not for everybody and everybody's not for me. Yeah. Once you accept that, there's just so much freedom and you will do so much better in the industry. You just will. Yes. Like a lot of people, a lot of time with people that just waste their time because they're like, well, they might book an appointment. Mm. And so they're trying to finesse that. And I just, I won't chase it. No, I won't compromise on my rates. I won't compromise on my restrictions. I won't see anybody that makes me remotely uncomfortable. If I have a client and we just really don't jive, probably unlikely to book them again. Mm -hmm. I am fortunate. I can't pretend that I don't have privilege in the industry, especially just being white. It's a different experience for more marginalized people. Interesting. They're up against more. Not everybody wants to see... Yeah, it's a privilege in society and it's a privilege in the industry that marginalization exists uh-huh. in the industry as well. Okay, I didn't realize that. Wow. All right. Very interesting. There's, I, could go, I could go on for hours with all this stuff. Like I'm fascinated by it, but I, I'm fascinated by human behavior around sex. And I always, you know, I always have been. And that's why, you know, when I started my, I don't know if you know my any about my backstory is just that I was just type A workaholic, just boom, boom, boom. I mean, business was like killing it, making money. That was my lover. And I pushed aside any kind of relationship for, you know, and actually didn't even, you know, just didn't even have sex for three and a half years. Nobody even touched me and it wasn't even on my radar. And I wasn't even like thinking about it. And then one day I was just like, what the fuck am I doing? This is cr- why am I wasting the pretty? I got to get out there. I got some fucking to do. So I, I made a sex bucket list. And of all the things that I wanted to try and explore and just boom, started knocking it out. I mean, literally went from no sex to got on a hookup site. 10 days later, I'm having sex. And it just went from there. And I just ha- I've been having, but I've been having fun with it. You know, it's like, I've made it a priority. It's like, there's all these things I want to do. And then I meet great guys that, that I form long-term relationships with that they go along for the ride. They know I'm not monogamous and I don't expect them to be either. And I'm just having fun, you know, doing all this crazy stuff, trying things I always wanted to and learning so much about myself. It's interesting how much you learn about yourself through your sexuality. And when you hone that and give it some freedom and some legs to run. It really has been an interesting, this is my fifth year. And then of course I thought, well, of course I should podcast about it. So (laughs) that's what I've been doing. And uh, it caught on. And so five years later, here I am. Now I'm like, okay, I'm sick of hearing myself talk. So I want, now that's why I'm reaching out to more people. (laughs) That's good. I mean, I love that. I love that you gave yourself that freedom. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's just been fun. So, okay. Are you known for any special skills sexually? And what do you really do well? And what's the best advice you can give someone on how to please their partner? I would say the thing that I always hear from clients is just 
that I have really good head skills. I, I'm re- really good at deep throating and I can do a lot of, I have a really strong tongue. Uh-huh. <laughs> some fun stuff. Uh-huh. And, and I also just, like I said, that ability to read people really translates in sex, right? <laughs> And it's just a numbers game too. Like I have so much experience that I can, I notice all of the little nuanced uh, reactions and then tailor things accordingly. So that's really it. Like I'm not doing anything too fancy outside of that, but I always have clients that say like, you're the absolute best at giving head. I hear that a lot. My advice for... Um, not focus on their partner's pleasure and to not focus on their partner's perception of them and to focus on their own pleasure because that will be more pleasing to their partner. Yeah. 100% it will. Yes. Don't you think that men really get off on seeing the woman get off when they know she's having a good time? Yeah. Yeah. It's that enthusiasm and that that freedom. When they see that, that's such a huge turn on. Mm-hmm. And it's so hard for women to do that. They're so worried about the little things. What does my stomach look like in this position? Do I have a double chin in this position? Is he noticing this? <laughs> All of that is going to detract from your experience yeah. of the physical sensations and the connection that you're having. It's okay. It's putting a barrier in that connection. It's taking you out of your body and into your mind. And you're going to have a harder time coming. And you're just not going to have that same unbridled enthusiasm that's mm-hmm. such a huge turn on. To get there, you just have to fake it until you make it. Like, yeah. believe it or not, I was a naturally very, very, very shy person. And I had zero self-esteem or Mm self-worth just due to like a really shitty childhood. I never built a core sense of self-esteem or self-worth. Now I have done lots of therapy. Yeah, yeah. Um, But I've actually found sex work has done a lot for me in building those because you have to just be so assertive. You have to honor yourself before Mm -hmm. anybody else. And I've learned all of those lessons the hard way in sex work. Yeah, It was not smooth sailing. And I made all the mistakes that you can make. I fucked myself over time and time again, but you learn and you move on. And now at least people entering the industry, there's a lot more online communities so that people can avoid some of the common mistakes or common things. But I didn't have that when I was starting out independently. I I wasn't aware of any of those. I was on my own and I was just kind of getting through it. So it's very uncomfortable to be in a situation with somebody and to say, I'm not comfortable with that. Stop doing that. Or no, we can't do that. Especially when somebody's very manipulative or very pushy. Those things are very uncomfortable. And so I had to pretend to be more confident and assertive than I was. I had to have a false bravado. Yeah. But the more you do that, it becomes natural and people respond well to it. And now people, it's very rare for somebody to even bother trying to fuck with me in the industry because they can just get that sense right away that they're not going to get away with anything. I'm very easy to get along with. I'm very personable. I genuinely enjoy connecting with my clients in the time that I see them, but I will not accept any bullshit. I won't accept any bullshit online. I won't accept any bullshit in my work and I won't accept any bullshit in my personal life. But that was all built. (laughs) That was not, it didn't come naturally to me. It comes very naturally to me now. Yeah, I can tell people to fuck off way too easily now. 
<laughs> but I couldn't know it. So, but generally, I think that when you feel insecure in your body, to become secure, you have to pretend to yourself and to your partner that you're secure. Just pretend that you don't give a fuck about your stomach. Yeah. Pretend that you don't give a fuck that your tits are sagging. Pretend that you don't give a fuck. And I promise you, when you see how they respond to that attitude, yeah. you'll naturally stop giving a fuck. Yes. Yeah. 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 So that's my advice there. My advice to guys is to just get your chick off before. And obviously, this is hetero advice, right? right. <laughs> like we're talking male, female. Yeah sex here but make sure they get off before there's any penetrative sex before you're putting your penis inside of them get them off whether it's with your fingers whether it's mutual masturbation whether it's oral sex whatever it is and then also just all of those other little things that will make it easier to get them off doing those things so you know some passionate kissing kissing of the neck touching of other erogenous zones that are nowhere near their privates. If you can do all of that before you get there, it's going to be very quick and easy once you're there. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys, what did you think? Isn't Aubrey the best? Oh my gosh, I love her. I think we're like cut from the same cloth. Anyway, if you love that episode as much as I'm sure you did, don't forget to leave me a review on iTunes and then you can enter yourself into the contest this month and start following me on Instagram, please. All right. Well, can't wait to see you next week for part two and also next Tuesday, another episode of the Curious Girl Diaries coming out. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. And if you like what you hear, refer me to a friend. And make sure you're following me on social media. Also, go to the website, thecuriousgirldiaries.com, and join my subscribers-only list for access to exclusive content. And as usual, questions or comments, you can always email me at curiousgirl at thecuriousgirldiaries.com.